Welcome to the Elite Business Advice Podcast. My name is Chris Moore. I'm the founder of Elite Business Advisors, and the goal of our podcast is to help you grow your business, but also educate you on a variety of topics that affect self-employed small business owners. Today's episode, we've got Andrew Gibson with us all the way from England. Andrew's the author of What's Your URP, uh, and he's also an international coach for charities worldwide. And so we're going to kind of talk through a little bit about the concept of his book here today. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks very much for having me, Chris. It's a real honor and a pleasure to be a guest on your podcast. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking some time to do this. I know you're in the afternoon, we're in the morning here, so we had to to make the the time zones work, but I appreciate you taking time to do this. Uh, Tell us a little bit kind of about yourself. So I'm, as you say, I'm a a coach and I specialize in helping charities and uh, and also people starting up businesses. I'm really keen. My passion in life is helping people who've got very little money or even no money to get some money. And so that's where I make my living. Um, and there's loads of people out there who help uh, people with millions of dollars to get more millions of dollars. That's absolutely fine. Um, I'm happy to help the little guys. And that's uh, that's why I'm here. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm based in Leeds in, in England. Um, I've been doing this for about 15 years now, of which the last 11 have been self-employed. Um, and yeah, I'm a really lucky guy. I, I, I love what I do every day. That's awesome. That's always exciting, right? It's very cliche that, you you know, when you find something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And let's be honest, we both love what we do, but there's still days it's called work, right? <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's awesome when you've got something that you're passionate about. We did an episode a few weeks back about the, the four P's of entrepreneurship, right? The passion, the purpose, you know, and all those things and how that ties into it. So it's always, it's always fun to be around. You can tell the people that love what they do and just the energy that they give off. And it's always fun to be around people like that. So, um, um, tell us a little bit, like, how did you come up? Like you said, we're going to walk through your, your book. What's your URP? It's been revolutionary for us. We've utilized it with a handful of our clients. Uh, and so it was a huge blessing that we were able to get our hands on that and stuff. But I, I wanted to kind of start out with, you know, how did you come up with the framework and the idea and the concept for this book? Um, well, first of all, I'm delighted it's making a difference for you, Chris, and, and that you're using it with some clients as well. That's, that's music to my ears, because I think Anybody who's written a book, I'm sure you've had lots of authors on your podcast who will say they usually you write a book to try and make a difference, try and spread the word. And yeah. and this this is really what happened to me. So um, my uh, coaching practice, helping businesses, uh, what I was finding was the approach I was taking was getting people to think differently about their business and, and especially people who are starting a business. Um, and then I found I was working with charities. I had a charity engage with me. I enjoyed it. I started asking my BNI network and other people for for introductions to charities, and they said, "Hey, why didn't you say this before? We know charities." And so, what I was doing was working. But the thing that kind of triggered it for me was people saying things like, "I never thought of it like that," and this was happening time after time after time after time. And you know, sometimes you know, we 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 all suffer from imposter syndrome, don't we? Where we think, you know, we're we're we're, are we good enough and are we making you know can we actually do this and here was all the here were all these people saying oh that's great I never thought of it like this and and they were really getting into it and saying yep I love this way of working and so that's what inspired me to think right I've got to get this out to more people than I can physically meet uh, or talk with in my lifetime how am I going to do that and you know back in the day 2014 was when I started writing this book uh, uh the, the the thing to do was to write a book so that's what yep. i did 
and it took five and a half years to write it. It took a long time. So it's um, it takes a long time to write a short, simple book. Yeah, it's funny how that works out, right? You got to be patient over time with it. Yeah, indeed. So, but yeah, so that that's how that's how it came about, and then the what I try to do with the book is to make it relevant for real world examples. Um, one of the finest compliments is uh, came from my sister actually who read it and said, well, this is just a book of common sense. And I actually took that as a great compliment because there yes. are a lot, of, a lot of books out there that for me overcomplicate things by trying to be clever. And they're almost, they could almost do with reading my book about, it's not about what you do, it's about the difference you make for others. So writing a book that's really complicated and really demonstrates how clever you are as an author is great for you, but will that necessarily help your clients if it's too complicated for them to read and to apply? Right. Yeah, so, that's a great point. And that would have been very ironic had you have written a very complicated book, right? That you were trying to simplify things for people and, and make it easy to understand and and whatnot. So I think I think the the message of your book and the manner in which you wrote it is 100% rowing down the the river together. So um, I think you definitely nailed that. Thank you. That's very kind. Thanks. Yeah. Um, well, no, I think that you know one thing that that you had kind of mentioned, and, and I'll hit on this real quick is you know one of the biggest takeaways I took from reading the book, aside from you know kind of changing the messaging and the way we model these things, is kind of what you just said, right? Is if you tell somebody what you do and they risk their response is, oh, so you mean you do X, Y, Z, right? And if they're not correct in that, that means that you're not clear enough in what you're doing. Um, and that really kind of hit home to us. And, and honestly, that's something that, you know, with different people and, and I'm a part of BNI here in, in the St. Louis area as well. And just, you know, as new members come in, little people and stuff, it's like, if they're not clear about that, I always kind of just say, Hey, let, like, let's kind of walk through this a little bit together. Right. Like let's like clarify this in a way that's easier to understand because some people overcomplicate things. Right. And so I love that, you know, you kind of put that in there. For me, it was an attention catcher because that happens to us sometimes, right? People say, hey, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, you know, we we consult with small business. We advise small business owners. And they're like, oh, so you do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like we work with their finances, their marketing, their day-to-day operations. And like, I literally read that line in your book and it like hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, oh yeah. So I need to clarify this a little bit more, right? So, and we'll kind of walk through some of that here in a minute, but um, what was the hardest part for you about publishing the book? I know you said it took about five and a half years to do it and, you know, the imposter syndrome and the mental side of it, but like, what was just, I'm just curious, what was the hardest part for you? Oh, um, well, I, I think the hardest part was really, well, a couple of things. Um, funny, fortunately, I didn't have a great deal of difficulty in getting it published. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll come on to that in a minute. Um, the The hardest part was was in in uh, in 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 actually putting it all together and writing it uh, because I was doing it in bits and pieces. So I was doing it as and when I could catch a moment. And there's a couple of people I'd like to credit. Um, we I'm, I'm, a, I'm a member of the UK Association for Solution Focused Practice, which is the coaching practice I use. Um, I was on the organizing committee for a conference 2017, and our keynote speaker is a wonderful woman called Friedrich Banink from the Netherlands. And she's a, a, a solicitor, she's a negotiator, she's a consultant, and she's written seven or eight books. She's an amazing woman. 
and she was our keynote speaker. So there I am wrestling with how to write this book. And you know, when you ask somebody a question and you immediately regret asking the question the way you've asked it. I was talking to Frederick and I said, Frederick, how do you find the time to write all these books? And she just looked at me. You can imagine this very powerful, very imposing woman. And she just looked at me and said, Andrew, you don't find the time you make the time. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I kind of knew that already. Okay, so I'm going to have to, <laughs> gonna have to make the time. All right. Um, so I made the time. Um, friends of mine have a holiday home. I borrowed it for a week, and I went away with my laptop, and uh, I, I pulled together what I thought I had into a book, and I very proudly shared this with my friend whose house it was, my friend James Lawler. And James gave me the best feedback of all. So he read, the, he read this early manuscript, and he said, yeah, Andrew said, this is great, but who's it for? And it was one of those real kicks in the teeth, as well as being the best feedback, because I was writing a book about being specific. Yeah. Who is it you want to help? How do you help them? Let's drill down, drill down, drill down. And there was I'd written a book that was not actually meeting the brief that I was trying to share. So I had to go away and rewrite the book. And rewriting it, it was a much better book the second time around. So um, I would I would say those were the two big challenges in getting it to the point of publication, in terms of getting it published, what I what I never knew, and again, shout out to Rick if he's listening to this, Rick Armstrong, who's my colleague here in BNI, area director for my region, he was a publisher, but he kept it very quiet. He didn't go around advertising the fact that he was a publisher. So we were having a coffee one time and, he, and I was telling him about this book I was writing and he said, oh, look, at, well, I'd be really interested to see that. He said, when you've got something to share, share it with me. So I shared him my manuscript. After I'd rewritten it, when after James's help, I'd rewritten it. And he called me in for another coffee and he said, bring your laptop. And he started giving me editing advice. And I didn't really know what was going on. And I yeah. said at the end of the coffee, I said, that's great, Rick, but um, you know, how, how do I get this published? And he said, Oh, no problem. He said, I think this is great. I'm gonna publish it. And I honestly floated out to that meeting, you know, 12, 12 inches off the ground, because I'd no idea. Yeah. No, yeah, he would publish it or he would be so, you know, so supportive and kind to do that. So um, that's really the the challenges were finding the time to write it and then having to rewrite it because it didn't actually fit my own brief. Um, yeah. And I appreciate a lot of people, for a lot of people getting a book published, I'm lucky to have a professional publisher who's published it. Um, but actually, there's loads and loads of ways of publishing a book now. If you've got a book in you, get it written, share it with some friends and don't expect them to like the first draft. That's good. That's good advice right there. Cause I think that's what keeps people from even starting on it. Right. So um, yeah, that's uh, I like that. So, so we talked a little bit about, you know, clarifying your message and that's what I want to shift the rest of our conversation to here today for the business owners listening to this um, and, you know, how to, you know, like we said, you know, how to dr drill down and make it relatable, you know, to where whenever you, you know, are talking to someone, they understand what you do, right? There's no question. There's no clarification. It's, oh, they make a connection immediately with somebody or some way you can help them. Um, and so what are a few pieces of advice that you'd like to give somebody that's working on clarifying their message? If, if you got a couple pieces. So um, the, the, the first thing is we need to uh, be slightly impolite. Okay. So we're all brought up to be polite and to, if we're asked a direct question, we answer it with a direct answer. Yeah. And when we go networking, of course, the classic question is, so what do you do? Yeah. 
once we find out each other's names or whatever, so what do you do? And as you say, you, you say, well, we consult with da-da-da, or I might say, well, I'm a business coach and so on. And then what we're doing is we're allowing the person we're talking to to map that label onto their experience of somebody who does what we do, okay? And there are loads of flavors of consultant. There's loads of flavors of business coaches. There's loads of flavors of accountants, financial planners, estate agents, real estate realtors, uh, even loads of variations on plumbers and electricians and so on. You know, they don't, not everybody does the same thing in the same way for the same customers. So um, my preference is to answer that question with, I help. So you're not starting with what you do. You're talking about the people that you help and how you help them. And when you get practiced at this, you can, you know, have quite a lot of these. So if you're in a, in a room full of people who are connected to startup businesses, you can say how you help startup businesses. Um, if you're in a room full of people connected to international, multi, you know, multinationals, again, you can, if you can help multinationals, you can say how you help. And the more specific you can be, the better. So if it's big corporates that you want to help, who is it in the big corporate that you help? So you could say, I help, uh, I don't know, I help Procter & Gamble with sales growth. Okay, that's a pretty bold claim. Who in Procter & Gamble do you help with sales growth? Is it is, right. it, the, is it the local business development team? Because if it is, fantastic. Tell us that you work with the local business development team to help them improve their sales growth. And then... People, if they're interested, will say, that's interesting. How do you do that? Then you get the chance to talk about how you do it. But they're now thinking of sales teams that they can introduce you to or startup businesses that they can introduce you to, rather than them trying to think, oh, well, that sounds similar to this other person that I know, and I'm not really sure if I need to know another one of them. So I'm really, no, you're engaging them from the start by thinking about people they might know and how you might help them and then talking about what you do. I love that. I love that. And I love, that's why I really, you know, we've, we went through a, a handful of different marketing books and messaging things and, and yours. And I'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast, but like yours has been one of our favorites because I think it simplifies it to a point that it just makes sense for people. Right. And what you said is, you know, people are going to ask, Hey, so what do you do? I help, you know, we help contractors add tens of thousands of dollars a year to their bottom line. Right. That is what we do. It's not, you know, the financials, it's not the marketing, that's how we do it. Right. And so, and again, all of this is credit to you, but like, you know, your book, but, you know, I think that for us, it's, it's, we answer that question and people go, oh, well, how do you do that? And then we can say, oh, we help business owners with their finances and their marketing and their day-to-day -day operations. And, and then they understand a little bit more. So, right. Not just, oh, we coach business owners. Yeah. Again, that puts a label on it. It doesn't tell us anything. It doesn't tell us who we work with. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, to your point, you know, at a, at a networking event, and when you say, hey, we help ten, contractors add tens of thousands of dollars a year to their bottom line, they're already thinking of contractors they know that might want to make $10,000 more a year, right? Um, and so I, I really like the way that you shift that to the I help piece, which then usually prompts a follow-up question to dive a little bit deeper in it. Yeah. And, and of course, if for whatever reason, it doesn't prompt the follow-up question, then you've saved a lot of time. Yes. Because you're not going to try and explain what you do to somebody who's not interested. Um, you know, we're all busy people, so we can't all be interested in everyone at every networking event or, you know, right. it's just not possible. So, so that's okay. It's okay to not be too 
interested. But if your answer is compelling enough, I help contractors to make tens of thousands of dollars uh, on their bottom line, I'm probably going to be interested because that, that's engaging. That's like, oh, well, okay. And I might yeah. know some contractors who really might benefit from what you have to do. So that's why I want to know because I feel compelled to help my mate who might want to yeah. make tens of thousands of dollars. Um, right. I'm even, there might even be somebody else in the room that I know who, oh, Chris, have you met so-and-so yet? You've, you've got to meet them. Come on, let's let's go and meet them. And when they introduce you, they're not saying, hey, here's Chris, the business advisor. What they're saying is, hey, here's Chris. He's just told me that he can help people like you put tens of thousands of dollars on the bottom line. I want to find out how he does it. I thought you might want to listen in. I love it. I love that. This speeds things up. It makes it makes things so much more efficient. We get the we can connect people for the help they need much more quickly than we can for the things that they do. Absolutely. No, that's a great point. And you know, I think it's it's funny. I was having a conversation with some friends of ours last night, and there's been two people in the years I've been doing this that have actually quote told me, I've been looking for a business advisor or I've been looking for a business coach. Out of the hundreds of people we've come across that we've talked to, that we've worked with, right? Most of them didn't know what they needed until they heard what the possibility was, right? So to that point, even further saying, oh, I'm a business advisor, people kind of just, you know, may shut down a little bit. They may have a bad taste of what a business coach, a business consultant might be. And they're like, oh, I don't need that. Right. But then when they hear, oh, we add tens of thousands of dollars a year to their bottom line. Well, well, I could, I'd be okay with that, you know? And so I think it, it, it opens up that conversation and you don't limit yourself to, you know, certain stigmas and stuff. And so I, I really like the way that you put that together. Um, do you have any other nuggets you want to throw in here on the topic? Well, well, yeah, the, just um, one of the ones, one of the kind of made up examples I, I, I used in the book. Um, if your I help is compelling enough, people don't really care how you do it. As long as it's legal and ethical, what they're looking for is the credibility that you've done it for someone else. So I think in the book, I talk about parking a pink elephant in your atrium. Yeah. Yes. So if I go in and say, hey, uh, if I'm introduced as the guy who can double your sales turnover and they're interested in doubling their sales turnover and they say, how do you do that? And I say, well, I put a pink elephant in your atrium. As long as I can demonstrate to them that putting the pink elephant in somebody else's atrium doubled their turnover. Yeah. The question they're going to ask me is not, well, how does that work? The question they're going to ask me is, how long can we have the elephant for? When when can we book it in? If it if it's that if it, if it has that effect on somebody else, I'm and we believe you. When can we get the elephant? So, what you do becomes so much less important, which is also brilliant when what you do isn't necessarily obvious. Because, in fairness, as as professionals, we could sit down and have a really detailed discussion about the different ways we help our clients, and we could probably learn from each other because we'll be bringing all sorts of different skills and experience and techniques and models and so on. And you'll get, you know, you could get two coaches in a room and they would argue black and blue that their method is better than the, the other method. And actually that that's all irrelevant for the client. The client just wants tens of thousands of dollars on their bottom line. And does it matter if you're an advisor, a consultant, a coach, a mentor, if they trust you to do it and they believe you can do it? And, you know, the best way, you know, look, I've done this with these other guys and I know that we have to take a call from you. Let me give you their number. Give them a call. That, that's all you have to do. And then they see what it's like working with you and the difference you made for them. 
that's all they need because you're you're starting with a blank sheet of paper with a new project you don't know what you're going to do with these guys they don't know what they need you to do but if you're working towards a common outcome then you're all starting and working towards the common outcome and that means you can co-create a project Yep. That's awesome. I love that. But I'll kind of share an example here. You know, a a lot of our listeners know my background. I don't know if I've shared with you before, but I used to own a painting company um, here before I started uh, Elite Business Advisors. And I remember going to, you know, estimates and and meeting with homeowners and getting their scope of work and everything. And not, I, I can't say not one, but probably less than 10 homeowners over the decade I did that actually cared about how we did their project. Like, what paint did you use? What brushes did you use? How are you going to do this? They didn't care about that, right? Um, kitchen cabinet painting is a huge thing going on here. I'm not sure how that is on the other side of the pond. And, and nobody cared about how we did it. They just wanted to know what the results were going to be like and what they could you know, make their home look like. And so I think doing that and having that understanding helped me realize now in working with clients that people don't care how you do things. They care about the results, right? Um, you know, if you, if you want to hang a picture on your wall, you got to go buy a drill. You don't care what kind of drill it is. You just need to put a hole in the wall to hang your picture. Right. So, um, there's a lot of things like that. And I think speaking to that results, speaking to that story and the emotion that you're talking about, um, is 10 times better than talking about how you do things. Right. Um, and so I, I really do your point there. I like that. Um, you know, I, I hit on earlier, you know, kind of what we've shifted our tagline to after reading this book and going through the exercise and stuff. Um, and, and I think for me, you know, we used to, our tagline used to be helping entrepreneurs build long-term profitable businesses. Um, and to me, I, I liked that in the beginning. Um, and then I read your book and realized there was a lot more out there in the world. But I, what I realized is that is more of a mission statement. That was more of a vision statement of like, what it is we do, like that is our core value is that we don't help business owners just make a quick buck tomorrow. Like we want people to build long-term businesses that are profitable over time, right? And so that's not really a good tagline. If somebody's like, hey, what do you do? Oh, we help entrepreneurs build long-term profitable businesses. Okay, it's not bad, right? There's still the I help in there, but it's not specific. It doesn't really catch people's attention. It's kind of just like noise, you know, wah, wah, wah. And then they move on from it. Right. So I think that, you know, you, you need to know the difference between kind of like what a mission statement is, what is the the core belief of your company is going to be different possibly than what it is you tell people you do. Um, and, you know, explain to everybody, I, I just have kind of assumed this, what does URP stand for? Cause that's going to tie into another point. It, it stands for your unique referral point. And that's right. Where, where this came from was I spent a lot of time in my early career as a coach helping people with business plans and it was a government funded project so there was a lot of people with business plans flying around and they nearly always said what's your US, your USP your unique selling point and what I noticed was that the uh, USP had moved from its origins as a uh, as a point of difference for big brand FMCG type products to something that we expected a sole trader startup business to have somehow a unique selling point. And what we were missing was that back in the day when when this was coined as a concept, the USP was all about the difference that the product made after you'd used it. So soap powder is a great example. It's a box full of white powder. 
how do you decide which one you're going to buy? Do you look into the chemical formulae? Do you look into the, you know, the analysis of the enzymes and how it all works? No, you look on the front and one says, washes your whites whiter. So you think, right, well, I'll have that one because I want to wash some whites and I want them to be whiter. And we were expecting startup businesses to suddenly come up with something unique about them. And what they were coming up with was usually either customer service related or price related you know oh well, we're going to be the cheapest in the market and again i'd never want anybody to be the cheapest in the market because that's not how you win business that's how you go out of business very quickly so um when i worked out this idea of looking outwards at the people that you helped instead of looking inwards and saying well we're unique because actually it's much easier to be unique if you look at the people that you help and the more you can segment the people that you help which let's be honest is what marketing is all about is segmenting your market finding your niche becoming the expert in that niche so you focus outwards and the idea of this process is that you become an expert in a market niche more rapidly by focusing on that market niche becoming known in that market niche and you get you know your reticular activation system kicks in you will see conferences, events, networking events for people in that market niche, and you'll rock up, and you could be the only consultant in the room. And they're all like, well, what are you doing here? You're, you shouldn't, shouldn't you be networking with other consultants? And you're like, well, no, I'm here with you contractors because I specialize in helping contractors like you put $10, tens of thousands of dollars on their bottom line. Oh, right, now we know why you're here. Okay. Yep. And if you can find a niche where you're the only person in that niche, and your clients recognize that you're an expert, they will start referring you to other people like them. And that for me is a unique referral point. You're the, you are the expert in that market niche and they are recommending you, you've cracked it. So, you know, I mentioned before, I work with charities over here. I am pretty much known as the guy who wants to talk to charities in my local neighborhood of, of Yorkshire and North England. So I get lots of people referring me to charities and I love that. And there aren't, that many people who do what I do who want to work with charities and so I get a lot of introductions to a lot of charities and it keeps me very busy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I like the difference and that's why I wanted you to kind of explain that uh, the difference between the unique referral point and the unique selling point, right? Because I think telling the story, it makes it easier for people to make those connections with with uh, with others and stuff. So, um, you know, and I think that's one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is they talk too much about you know, again, it's, 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 you need to talk in the outcomes and the deliverables and the stories, not the what. So um, I want to kind of go through a quick exercise here before we wrap up um, and, and kind of, you know, go through you, you've got this and I love the way you wrote the book because it's kind of like a workshop style book, right? It kind of builds each chapter builds on the previous one. So don't think this is a book you can get your hands on, read through and just blow through it and, and move on, right? Like I definitely recommend take some time and, and think through it and go through the exercises and the, and the comments that you make throughout it. Um, but let's walk through, I want to kind of go through this with you and, and just share a little bit about kind of how you've used this framework to craft your messaging right now. So, um, so let's start out with what do you do, Andrew? So uh, let's stick with the charity example. Um, yeah. I help charities develop sustainable income from their activities. That's awesome. And how does that help people? Well, charities are providing essential services to a lot of people who need a lot of help. Um, but the charities themselves are stuck with a business model where they have to go and find the money to pay for the help they provide. And so what I'm doing is to helping those charities 
to find income from the other agencies that are also supporting the people that they help so that those charities can keep on doing what they do without being reliant on grant funding and donations and all the other ways, legacy giving, et cetera, all the traditional ways of charitable giving. So I'm helping them think more commercially, which helps them to bring in money, which helps them to be sustainable and ultimately helps the people who work for the charities to keep in employment so they can help more people for longer. That's awesome. When you hit on the next one already, who needs that help? You kind of hit on that one. So where do we find these people? I love just being introduced to charities and not-for-profits, profit-for-purpose, um, just to have a chat with them about how things are going. And most people know charities. So um, I, I've yet to meet a charity who didn't want to talk to somebody who could help them develop income. <laughs> That's a great point. And then lastly, how should we approach them? The, the lovely thing about this is that it comes from natural conversations. So if, you're, if you know somebody who's in a charity or if you find yourself talking to somebody who's involved in a charity um, and you say, hey, how's it going? Uh, chances are they're going to say they're really, really busy. They've got lots of people to help, especially now post-pandemic. They'll be helping lots and lots of people. It's very easy to say, hey, how do you guys fund that? And if they say, well, actually, we're really well funded. Okay, fine. The conversation is not going to lead to an introduction to me. But I would guess that most of them are going to say, oh, it's always a struggle. We're always looking to find funding, you know, always looking to get more money in. Oh, OK. You know, I was talking to this guy um, who loves helping charities with exactly that kind of thing. Would you like an introduction to him? I love that. I love that. Because people always ask us that, like, hey, how do I how do I connect you with with these contractors? Right. And I'm like, it's probably going to come up naturally. You know, you can reach out and just say, hey, I met somebody that'd be a great introduction for you. But like if you're in conversation, you know, especially as we work with other other people that are already in their business, right? Commercial insurance agents, accountants, you know, lawyers, attorneys, all those types of things. I'm like, you're already having conversations with them. You already know what their problems are. It's just an easy introduction. You know, and as, as you do, I like to have a conversation, see where people are at, where they're looking to go and what we can do to help them get there. And that's that's what's fun for us. So um, I love that. I think introductions and referrals should be short, easy and simple for sure. Very much so. And also they should be. Um, I, I want to introduce you, Chris, at the start of the conversation, not after I've made a big mess of it for you. <laughs> yeah. So yep. I, I could go into way too much detail about how you help people and what you do and the programs you run and analyzing the finances and all the rest of it. And you could go and be introduced to this person and they could be coming and saying to you, oh, Andrew says you're going to do this, 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 and this. And you look at their case and you go, yeah, I wouldn't have started there. I'd rather do something else. And now you're in a debate trying to get them to think about it your way. And they've maybe got set on the way that they've already discussed. So all that complication comes away. Um, my favorite introductions are actually, oh yeah, Andrew, Andrew helps charities and he helps them with income generation. When somebody says, uh, how do you do that? And they say, I really don't know. I just know he's good at it. Why don't I introduce you and he can tell you himself? That's awesome. Don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. And, and then we don't want to. Go ahead. But, as I said, you're, you're not trying to oversell. You're not trying to sell me on my behalf. Um, you're That's just using me and if it doesn't work out hey it doesn't work out but no, your reputation hasn't been harmed if it does work yep. out happy days and you can just say yeah i was pretty sure it was going to work out and yeah credibility is enhanced either way it's you know it, it so 
Anything you were going to say? Yeah, no, I was going to say, you know, we don't want to overpromise and underdeliver, you know, and what we do with our businesses. And I know you're the same way with your charities. So we don't want somebody to set us up for failure, right? Like we don't want to do that to ourselves, let alone have somebody else set us up for that. So, um, so I think that's a great point when you're making introductions, don't overcomplicate it. Let them share the details on how they do things. Well, I've, I've seen, here's a, here's a pitfall that people get into when they talk about what they do and they're trying to find a USP that's based on customer service or based on price. I have heard people pass referrals, pass introductions where it's like, oh, I've, I've told them that you will give them a free trial. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I, or, or something like that. And they're like, hang on a minute. How do I know I'm going to give these guys a free trial? And should you really be leading by telling them I'm going to give them a free trial? Yeah. What? And, and yeah. now you're going to follow up and, okay maybe you do give free trials but that's your choice you shouldn't be introduced and be expected to be giving a free trial especially then because if something's for free people often don't value it so they might say oh yeah well i'll get you in but i'm just going to see what you're like and i really don't care whether it works or not because it's free so that's awesome keeping that back keeping that sort of information back is really important so that you're introduced credibly for helping people and you get to create your offer based on their needs and they help you create your offer by sharing their needs. And then it's going to build into something sustainable. That's awesome. I love that. Um, well, I do have one, a couple of quick questions here as we wrap up um, in your book, you know, you talk a lot about networking effectively, building relationships with others, why that's so important. I know you're, you know, very involved in BNI over there uh, on that side of the pond too. Um, what's, what's like a very important piece of advice. Like if you could give somebody one piece of advice, that's building their business through networking and building relationships, what would that be? Uh, it would, there's a, there's a couple of things really. The first is the importance of, uh, of getting to know people and getting to know their stories. Um, because we share stories much more naturally than we share what you do. So if you find yourself talking to somebody who's talking a lot about what they do, uh, politely ask them to tell you a story about how they helped somebody recently, because you'll get a lot more useful information that you can use. And then the second thing is when you think about, you know, virtually every networking organization involves people attending, making a pitch at some point. Yeah. So uh, in, in BNI, we have our member presentations every week. Um, we ask for a specific referral request and so on. And we do get some training on that. But, you know, every networking event always expects you to pitch yourself at some point. And what I recommend we do is work out who you want to help and then tell us a story that's related to the person you want to help. OK, um, if you do that, you're giving your network the story that they need to introduce you to the person that you want. OK, so don't ask to talk to one person and then tell a story about something else. Yeah. Don't ask to talk to a contractor and then tell a story about helping a consultant, because that won't be relatable to the contractor that you want to talk to. Ask to talk to a contractor, then tell a story about helping a similar contractor. And everybody who hears that will be able to use that story to get you in. So stories are really, really powerful. Um, and if you. If you're telling short stories about the clients you've helped and not talking about what you do until people ask you, those stories will start working for you. 
that's awesome. I love that advice. Um, and I think, like I said, seeing that in, in practice here in, in BNI and other networking events, that's, that's very true. It's very relatable. So, um, what's one book we're, we're tweaking our, one of our final questions here throughout the year. Um, what's one book you're reading right now, aside from yours, right. Um, that, uh, that you're, that you would recommend to small business owners, whether you're reading it right now or you, one you've recently read. Well, um, this is, uh, giving credit again to one of the guys who was really influential on, on, on me and my journey. Um, a guy called Paul Furlong, who's with me in BNI here in the UK. And I saw him speak at our national conference the same year I published the book, uh, published URP 2019. He spoke at the national conference and he talked about stories and he taught me so much about stories. In fact, so much so that I wished I'd put it all in that first book to the point where I wrote my second book to capture all the stuff that I wished I'd put in the first book. You know what I mean? Um, And Paul is a master of the craft of storytelling and understanding how stories work. He's now written and published a book. It's called Rule the World, Paul Furlong. He has a podcast as well, also called Rule the World, The Art and Power of Storytelling. Um, and, you know, Chris, as we've already mentioned, I definitely need to hook you guys up so that he can come and be a guest on your podcast as well. So hopefully we can make that. I'd love that. Would love that. I appreciate that. Um, well, Andrew, I really appreciate your time and, and taking time to, to chat through this. Um, how can people reach out to you if they have questions? Um, I see your website here for those of people that are watching on video. Um, what's a good way that people can connect with you? I'll be sure and put it in the podcast description. Um, as well, if if it's got, if it's a charity that can maybe use some guidance from you or some help, um, what's a good way to contact you? I'm I'm always very happy to hear from people who need some help. I'm always happy just to help if I can. Um, the website andrew-gibson.com. There's uh, you can contact me from there, or indeed you can book in directly with me from there as well. If you if you think I really want some of this this guy's help, um, the um, and then of course the the other thing is that the the the, the first book is uh, available on paperback and Kindle and as audiobook. Um, I recorded the audiobook myself um, and made every mistake in the book. I, I, it was every mistake it was possible to make. So, um, so you know, there's various ways there, and that's probably the easiest way of accessing this. Um, but yeah, if you if you do that, let me know what you think. Um, stick a review on Amazon. Uh, let other people know what you think, and let's spread the word because I'd love to just help people have a much simpler more productive way of finding business working with people they want to work with helping people they want to help and just like you and me chris enjoying their jobs because they love it every day absolutely absolutely we'll definitely get your copy of what's your urp um i'll put a, a link to that to, to amazon as well in the podcast description um andrew again thank you very much for being here and uh look forward to keeping in touch in the future it's a real pleasure chris thank you very much for having us as a guest today Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you automatically get the newest episode every Tuesday morning. If you find our podcast beneficial, we'd love to hear from you by giving us a rating and a review. Not only does it help us stay connected to you, but it helps other business owners throughout the country find us. If you have questions or would like more information on how we help our clients, visit us online at www.elitebusinessadvising.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great rest of the day.